0: Hello and welcome back to the J.W. Nixon High School Class of 1992 podcast. This is our virtual reunion. I am your sometimes host, Missy Barrientos. What do you get when you cross a J.D. with a Ph.D.? Well, I won't spoil it for you, but this episode's guest is Max Salazar, Ph.D. And our guest... Interviewer for this episode is Matt Garcia. So sit back and listen and enjoy.
1: Max, how are you doing my friend?
2: Wow, um doing well. I cannot complain very much. Just you know, kind of getting used to still living alone. My my family's in another state than I am. So I can get a job. And, but other than that, you know, other than the loneliness, you know, things are, are well, I mean, I've been blessed throughout life. I I really have nothing to complain about other than my own bad decisions per former boss. So I really (laughs) really can't complain.
1: Well, let's go back uh, to good and bad decisions and journey back to high school. I know what you were like as a teenager, you know, we, we used to hang out. What do you think you were like?
2: You know, in the last few years, I've done a lot of self-reflecting and I think I was high strung, a little self-involved and, and actually I was pretty lazy. Yeah, I, I really do think that <laughs> I was a, a bit annoying and you know, got on people's nerves quite a bit.
1: So who were your peeps? Who were the, the people uh, that you used to hang around with? I think Missy uses the word Ganga. Who were those folks?
2: Um. Really, I mean, Matt, you were there. Luis Banuelos, Fernando Martinez, uh, Roger Rod- uh, Rodriguez. I- I'm sorry if I'm if I correct myself. I tend to anglicize everything now since I- I've been looking <laughs> so long. And um, also, you know, Jaime Tapia. I've known him since kindergarten, and recently just reconnected thanks to uh, Facebook. But yeah, I've known him since kindergarten. But really, I mean. That was probably my, you guys were my core group of friends.
1: Were you in any groups or, or clubs
2: or anything? So yeah, I ran, uh, that's how I met Roger. I ran my last two years of high school. My first two, I was in an ROTC. And um, I, I believe I may, may have been the first, probably the last uh, science club president to, to be uh, impeached or, and then eventually voted out. <laughs> <laughs> it happened while I was in uh, cross-country practice, I think. So <laughs> a little embarrassing, but that's okay. What was that What was that about? I don't remember
1: that. What, so, what happened?
2: Somebody, it was, I think our, might've been our junior year, I don't remember. I don't remember but the, the person who, who, during elections who won, she won the, the president, uh, presidency of the club, she ended up not being able to take part. And so I was by default made president. But uh, Ms. Leindecker, she decided when we had practice uh, or when we had the, the group meetings and she would not concede a moving it to Friday. And so, you know, track and cross country was always, you know, practice was immediately after class, Monday through fr- uh, Thursday, the entire year. So uh, I just couldn't make those meetings. And, I'd, you know, uh, Rachel, can't remember her last name, but I am mean, just Rachel Elijah. She,
1: oh, Rachel Sandoval? I I don't remember maybe I think that that might be Rachel's did she shave her head one yes half her half her head Uh yeah yeah I actually thought it was very attractive but yeah I remember her I think she's in Dallas now I'm Facebook friends with her Uh, but I haven't spoken to her in years wow I, I, I had forgotten about that the only thing I remember about that science club is is we were we were doing some sort of like recruitment for kids and stuff and that was when bright said fred had that that song (laughs) i'm too sexy for my shirt and i remember we were dancing to it or maybe i was the only one that was dancing to it and doing some sort of like science experiment over it yeah those were those are good times where would you and your friends go after school
2: I don't know what we called it, but it was that big block that sat between one of the buildings, maybe like a C building or a building, and then the main, the main office building. And there were some trees there. During lunch, I, I want to say for the sophomore to senior years, I spent a lot of time with Fernando and. that Fernando Martinez. Yes, and so okay. his aunt was Miss Delos Santos, our, our calculus teacher and so oh, I spent yeah. a lot of time with those two yeah and and so you know i'll i'll say it now uh, i want to make sure i remember to say it so uh, her passing actually i knew it was coming but it was still you know very painful so i used to call her like you know my aunt Nina in, in a bit of of uh a little personal history so my brother ended up marrying her goddaughter so she kind of became part of our family as well and so uh i the last time I spoke to her was like 2000, I said 2008, 2009 at my brother's house. So, but yeah, uh, I spent time with them. Uh, uh, we went to her house to have lunch a couple times. And so I really, I, I guess I didn't spend too much time hanging out on actual campus. Since at the time, we had open campus. Very safe, right?
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was the best because you could leave and, Good luck if you made it back in time for your after lunch class. I think Felix and I were late to physics on a continuous basis. Um, <laughs> take a really long lunch all the time.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, that I'm probably sure that went well too.
1: Yeah, I liked Miss Delos Santos. I thought she was a pretty pretty neat teacher, and I think she yeah you know, she was kind of hard, you know, but I think she enjoyed her her students or. I always felt she was laughing with us and not necessarily at us. I I really think she cared about the people that were in her class.
2: She did. And, you know, since I got to continue uh, having a friendship with her outside of high school, uh, right before I joined the Navy for the second time, so I was getting ready to graduate college and no one in my family wanted me to sign up again, but... I went to her, actually went to her house and spoke to her. And she she gave me a lot of really, really good advice. And, and it boiled down to it's your decision, it's your life. You have to do what's right for you and not what's right by your family or what's right by your professors. You have to listen to, you know, to your yourself and, and just go for it. Uh, so I did. And really a lot to to thank her for, you know, in that regard.
1: Yeah, she was a great, great teacher. Uh, aside from having lunch with her and, and Fern, what are some of your favorite memories from high school?
2: So, uh, there's one in particular. It was actually calculus class, and it was right before it would start. Myself and Roxanne Fernandez, we used to call her La Chana. I don't know if you remember Viva La Chana, right? <laughs> so we would stare out the the window, just looking at the uh, the quad area, and. It was. I think Mrs. Los Santos was out for for some maybe a week or so or two weeks, and we had a substitute teacher, and she she stopped or she grabbed Roxanne and I, and she's like, "You two look like a pair of sick puppies, uh, sad and depressed puppies. Go go sit down at your desk." And so Roxanne and I are like, "What?" <laughs> that memory has never left me. I still remember that. Um, Aside from that, you know, I, I was so obsessed with this one student, you know, head over heels over the, the the girl I ended up taking to prom. And so I I don't remember having really that many great memories other than thinking of her and then, of course, running. You know, I spent a lot of time running. I, I wish I kind of wish I had done more and I kind of wish she had not been in school. <laughs> I could have maybe focused more on other things. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, catapulting off of that, what what was uh, a memory that stands out that makes you groan to this day with regret? I think on my on my podcast, I talked about crashing my boss's car, which yeah. to this day still haunts me. Got a memory like that?
2: Yeah. So it's it's really a kind of uh, and, and I I wouldn't change it, but I would have to say that I I never studied. I I rarely did homework. And when I did, I didn't really put that much emphasis in it. Uh, as a result, I don't know if you remember, but our freshman year, I flunked typing. <laughs> how do you flunk <laughs> type? <It's because laughs> it's you got to Burles- really try hard at that. You do. And I remember Luis, how he would just hound me just laughing all the time. He's like, how do, you, how do you fail typing? I looked I'm like, don't do the work. It's that simple. <laughs> don't do the work. And so, uh, and I was not allowed, my class was not allowed to take or to do the work at home. It had to be done in class. And I just, you know, I didn't want to do it. And I, I came close to flunking history and English. Uh, I barely got C's. And as a result, Actually, I only had one A in biology with uh, Ms. Leindekker's sister, uh, Francis Amidas. But as a result, I actually got booted out of, of the honors program, and I also because of it, I, I was not allowed to join the National Honor Society. So those were like, some really big regrets. And I tried. And quick bit of history: I actually flunked algebra in the eighth grade. So that, there was a definite trend here. I wish someone had, you know, smacked me upside the head and said, hey, wake up. Uh, no one did, but, you know, I Is got- Was that
1: when San Juanita Flores was, right? That we, at Lamar, was she the algebra teacher?
2: Yes, she used to sit down and work on the transparencies and she would turn off the lights so I would go to sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> as, as it turns out, Matt, and, and shame on, on, the, on the military, I've had- vitamin D deficiency my entire life. And they knew it. And they didn't tell me uh, as an adult, they knew that I had a vitamin D deficiency. And they never said anything because it's like a 50% disability rating. So uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think had I, and you know, I graduated number 67, I think out of 580, or whatever it was. So I was in the top 11%. And I think had I actually just you know been a good student and studied a little bit and done my homework and not flung typing I I think uh, I might be in a different place right now. so I actually like where I'm at so I don't regret I wouldn't go back and change it but I do regret and I it does bother me it's like God Max was so lazy back then you know
1: <laughs> that's funny because I don't remember you that way, you know and in listening to some of our other classmates, you know Rick Solis was talking about how you know, he didn't like math. And I was just like, I think I used to copy from you from math. <laughs> <laughs> this was bad. What do you mean you didn't like math? I think you were the one that I was relying on. So it's always kind of interesting to kind of hear how people saw themselves. Because I always saw you as a kid who kind of had things together and, you know, were focused and driven. And so to hear that is it's a little, little surprising. Is there anything you think you might have wished or you wished to change or would have changed if, if you could go to. back?
2: Yeah well if I had to change that I think that that would be it and you know I, I am grateful though that sophomore year I had two really great teachers. Um, the first Mr. Sanchez uh, he was an English teacher and he was the debate coach and so I was in his sophomore English class and I, he actually tore into me very badly over an assignment. It was a, it was a you know crappy assignment, and I I really you know I barely did anything. And he was livid, and he chewed me he chewed me out really bad. And, and it was enough to where one of the other students had to intervene. And she's like, Mr. Sanchez, whoa whoa, you're a little upset. And, and he's like, no, uh-uh. and he goes, I'm sorry, I don't mean any disrespect to the other students, but I I expect more out of Max. And so that, you know, that was a fire that lit that, that was lit under me underneath me. And then uh, Mr. Jimenez, actually the, the chemistry teacher. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he did the same thing. And I was a very disruptive student in the beginning of that 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 year. And it was the GT honors chemistry that I was able to get into because I had the A in biology. But Dude, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He think- if I close my eyes, I think I can hear him say, Max. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he took me out, out of the classroom, closed the door. And he you know chewed me out as well and, and flat out asked me, Max, what is your problem? Really, I need to know because you're, you're disruptive. And I looked at him and I, I, I didn't know what else to say. And I was like, I'm bored. And so God bless him. But he, he said, OK, you're going to come to my class. You know, for the study hall, you're coming to see me at study hall every day and we're going to work on things. And so he actually turned me into his lab assistant uh, for that, that entire year. And then my senior year, because of that, I was taking the college chemistry with him and it was just myself, Fernando Martinez, Gilbert irwegas and a junior, Becky Gobo. And he had Fernando and myself go there for study hall every day. And we made all of his stock solutions for his uh, physical, physical science class. So we were being trained to be chemists. And so, you know, going from disruptive student to I'm going to turn Max into a, a chemist, uh, you know, that was a, a, a blessing. It really was. And it, it had a, a very large impact on me and big shocker that, you know, I became a marine scientist. So and I'm very, very grateful for that.
1: Yeah, he was, he was a great, great teacher. I, I I would say, I always found chemistry to be one of the harder classes. And you definitely needed a lot of math for that class. Mm-hmm. Um, so props to you. That's, that's a, that's a great story. Let's hit it a little light. Yeah. Any favorite music when you were in high school? Who did you listen to? What kind of TV shows did you, did you watch? Uh, Any good books?
2: So we'll start with the music. I don't, I don't really remember, I mean, I think there was like Raw Bass and um, Ace of Bass and whoever else was playing back then. I was never really a fan of, of 90s music. I mean, it was, it's not to say that I didn't enjoy it, but it was, to me, probably like the least memorable of all the decades of music. But I, for shows, you know, I was a big kind of nerd guy, so I loved Family Matters. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was great because it was like this, it was, well, first off, you know, us being minorities at that time, and we still actually struggle with that today. We don't really have a lot of Hispanic shows, but back then, you know, the Cosby show and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm a big fan of Bill Cosby right now, but his show was a terrific show and uh, Family Matters is another great show. It's a fantastic show. And it's, you know, it Steve Urkel, who's the nerd, is is the star of the show. And you're like, wow. And then as far as books, I was kind of a Shakespeare nerd and Frankenstein. So um, Mrs. Margaret Mitchell, I think she's now Dr. Mitchell. She uh, she had me read Frankenstein and that got me hooked onto reading. I haven't stopped since. Uh, I I can't, it's hard for me to go to sleep if I'm reading. (laughs) So yeah, I have to say Frankenstein, Shakespeare.
1: Yeah, Miss Mitchell was a great teacher. She uh, she always used to call me Maddie, and it drove me insane. But <laughs> aside from her calling me Maddie in, in front of the whole class, you know, I always thought that she she was good at at finding those those things that made us want to work, you know, or finding the, those things that we like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Any any Laredo words or phrases that that you remember that you still use? <laughs> um- <laughs>
2: Yeah. So the only thing probably that really I use quite a bit is orale. And and I only use it with my parents. Every time I call, like my dad, I'm I'm like, orale. (laughs) 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 You know, just silly stuff. But not really. It's, and it's, it's not that I don't appreciate, you know, where I come from. But when you spend so much time away from, from the Southwest of Texas and, and you're, you know, I lived in California, Virginia, uh, all along the South, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, you know, been there all been, you know, second time here in the Northeast, uh, been in the Midwest and you just kind of forget those things and you start learning new traditions. And, and so that's probably the only thing I remember is Orale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, let's fast forward a little bit. You're (laughs) at graduation. Did you go to graduation? You did, right?
2: I did. Yeah. I was, I was the only idiot who threw his uh, cap in the air. (laughs) The result, I lost it. I never got it back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) what, What did you end up doing the day after high school graduation?
2: So the day after, I remember the night of, and Mark DeHirina picked me up and we went to, I think, juleps or something and we had a barriada, which I, I hadn't even thought of that word in, in years but uh, the following day I think Fernando came over and you know, probably spent the night and went out into the woods and stuff because I actually left for boot camp I want to say it was two weeks after graduation so I you know graduated. Very when did you t- join the Navy? Did you join the Navy as a senior and you were waiting to graduate or how did how does that work? Yeah so I don't know if the program still exists but it's called a delayed entry program and so I signed up probably somewhere in the middle of our senior year I, I want to say and uh, I actually signed up to go to be a, an enlisted nuclear engineer ended up not doing that I, I got picked up for something called broaden opportunity for officer selection and training and David Robinson, the admiral, whose cousin I happened to work with, by the way, it was an interesting story, but he used to advertise for that program, and I ended up signing up for it, and so I went to to boot camp. I said two weeks after, and so I. I, what I, I you do mom. that?
1: Like most seniors, I think, weren't thinking that far ahead. I mean, how did you know that's what you wanted to do? That's such a big commitment.
2: So, you know, as lazy as I was, I was actually very ambitious and I, I was still driven. Uh, I was, but, you know, as something that you can still see reflected in me today, I tend to be driven by, you know, the thoughts that are running through my head. So like, oh, I, there's this math problem and I all of a sudden I have a solution and I will spend hours working on it. And I, and I do it to the exclusion of everything else. And, you know, God bless my wife. She has to, to put up with that sometimes, but I just knew that I wanted to be in the Navy. My both grandfathers were, were in the Navy uh, during World War II. And so that was something I knew that, not that I necessarily wanted to do as much as I knew I had to do it. I've been that kind of person where I feel that there's a destiny and I kind of have these dreams and I have uh, these, these thoughts and I'm like, I have to do this. I just know like, this is my plan, I have to do it. And that, that's driven me very hard. So, so boot camp, and where and where was that at? That is in a now defunct area. It's uh, now a housing development, but it was San Diego, California. So it was a really nice boot camp. I didn't have to go to Great Lakes or to Florida, which is Florida is not around anymore either. But uh, I was I was there. Went to boot camp. Started this officer training program. It was basically college prep schools. What it was. And I ended up uh, due to a clause in my contract was able to leave it. So I, I, didn't, I didn't, actually did not take the scholarship and go uh, to one of the ROTC programs that I could have gone to.
1: So well, what did you do instead?
2: So I actually came back home. I, you know, the, the family I felt needed me. There were some things that were going on and you know, like, I, I need to be there. And so um, I went home. And for a couple of months, I didn't do much of anything except hang out with my best friend at the time, uh, somebody who did not go to our school. And so she and I spent a lot of time together. And then um, my mother, I remember her, her telling me, you're not gonna be a bum, you're gonna either get a job or you're gonna go to school. And I was like, well, I'll go to school. And so she's like, well, I know a guy over at Laredo Community College, now Laredo College, I think it's called, and She spoke to him and he got me an uh, an interview with uh, the head of the honors program there. And so uh, I interviewed with him and I got the scholarship and I actually ended up meeting a lot of really good people. One of them, uh, uh, Jerry, I can't remember his last name, but he's on the Laredo News, I think Pro 8 News. I believe he's a station manager. So Jerry was a a friend of mine uh, during that time, but I, I went to school and when when that came to a conclusion my again my mother <laughs> I, was, I was out actually ready to leave laredo at that time and, and go to university of texas to study physics and a friend of mine's like no 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 you need to study math and because all the math that we're going to cover in the math degree you're going to end up having to take anyway if you study physics do this get your degree in math go here in TAMU, save money and then go to austin get your degree in physics part-time while you work full-time as a teacher that way you don't have to be poor anymore and of course you know i my parents at the time i mean they did okay but you know i didn't have a lot of money to myself and and so i was like that's a great idea right. so now my mom steps in and she met uh he's the not the dean but he's the he might be the dean now but he's like the, the head of the physics department at temu and she spoke to him and his name is dr juan Romero and he's like, "Oh my God, you need to send your son to come talk to me." And so I did, and that's how I ended up at Tammy Hugh. and I ended up being uh, his research assistant and the research assistant to the other physics professor there at the time. And, and by the way, Dr. Inohosa, who's still there, I just you know exchanged communications with a couple months ago, and he still remembers me. So it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he was my mentor, and thanks to him, Matt, I ended up being. Uh, a meteorologist, an oceanographer, a marine scientist because of the, the, the material that he taught my friend and I. It, it's just something that I needed for that program. And it's, it became an interest. So, you know, God bless him too. Wonderful guy.
1: So you graduated from TAMIU. And then did you go back into the Navy? Because I've, I've seen pictures on your Facebook page. It looks like you were pretty decorated. So you, you must've
2: gotten back. Yeah, I, I did. And so um, I was like, oh, no, Mac, you can't come back. <laughs> well, that's what they told me. That's initially what they said. But there was such a desperate need for, for nuclear engineers uh, that they said, not only are we going to let you back in, we're going to give me $10,000 if you do. And I'm like, <clears throat> what? Wow. So and, and, I'm there. Yeah. And I was actually already a dad at that time. And so I, I really needed the money and I needed to get medical insurance for my, for my daughter.
1: Did did you have to do boot camp all over again? Yes,
2: but (laughs) if you've ever seen the movie An Officer and a Gentleman, it's way different. And so I had, I went to Pensacola, Florida and I had a Marine Corps drill instructor for, you know, along with a Navy chief and a Navy officer as part of our our little triad for our class, but really honestly something like 70, 75% of our instruction was by the Marines. So very Marine Corps driven and oh, yeah, they kind of walked all over me. It's okay though, um, <laughs> they, they really do toughen you up. I will tell you that. So yeah, I, I went back and you know I was there for another, all that time I had together. go, it's like it came out to 18 and a half commissioned, and then plus like another eight months or so when I was in training. And then when I was in college waiting to graduate, I was, I was getting the salary already. But yeah, 20 years, Matt. 20 years in the Navy total.
1: And did they did they send you for more schooling once you were in there, or or, or how did or was it just just work, just learning and actually hands on experience?
2: No, so they're, the the military is very education driven, and and for a very good reason I, you can imagine. Uh, technology is exponentially increasing, and and the military has to try to keep up with that as, as much as possible. It's a very daunting task. So after I finished, I actually went to nuke school. I didn't like it. I did everything I could to get out. I got out, and they sent me to surface warfare officer school, and it was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. So I trained for, I think, four months for that, got to my first ship, Absolutely loved it. Uh, But my daughter was starting to go through separation anxiety because I was deployed quite a bit. And so um, I started making arrangements to try to get transferred into a different community and and one that was, I think, more in line with my interests and that was meteorology and oceanography. And so I got picked up for that, but I had to do one more year on a different ship. I was actually stationed out of uh, Texas. I was there and right outside Corpus Christi. So I did that. For
1: those of us that don't know, what is oceanography and, and meteor, meteorography? What is that?
2: So, yeah, I was getting ready to say. So they, they sent me to enable Postgraduate School to get a uh, master's of science. And so meteorology, just the study of weather. You know, we do a little bit of climatology, but a lot of tropical meteorology. So that and with the oceanography, which is there's three basic components, actually maybe more like four. You have the physical or you're dealing with ocean waves, tides, currents, uh, temperature of the ocean. Then you deal with the chemical aspect. So how much salinity or how many different nutrients and tracers are in the ocean. Sodium, calcium, iron, it's, it's that type of uh, discipline. And then you have a geological discipline studying the, uh, the ocean floor. And, and you have biological, the obvious part, right? We all, we think of oceanography, we think of fish and whales and uh, different types of marine sea life. So I, I did that. And upon graduation, I got sent to school again, this time to University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, so home of Brett Favre. Uh, and I was there for, for another literal year. Started like August 1st and, and finished I think also like maybe around August 1st, it was one full calendar year to get two years worth of material into one year. So it was a very busy, very busy program. And I got a master's in hydrography. So the Navy paid for me to do that so that I could be a literal environmental expert for the Navy in, in support of uh, groups like you know the pilots, the the submariners, the even the, the surface warfare guys—they need to know what the weather is like. Uh, Navy SEALs got our our support as well. I I didn't personally interact with them, but any aspect that you can think of that has to do with military operations involves uh, the weather. So, we provided a lot of that type of support. So very 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 busy person.
1: Now what? what was it like being Hispanic in the Navy? Were they receptive at the time? Were they Were there any challenges, uh, especially in,
2: in some of the, the cities that you were at? You know, and it's, it's funny, I, I thought about it for this interview uh, specifically, but every time I moved to a different state, the, the first question my family or my friends would ask me is, are they racist? And, and the reality is, it's there, there's racism there, and it takes different forms. You know, every group has their, their people that feel that they have you know, the supreme race, which is a ridiculous idea. But it's something I didn't think about. I didn't care to think about. I'm like, I'm not gonna give power to anybody. I'm gonna do what, I, what, what I'm gonna do, and I'm here to do a job. Uh, so from what I could tell, I didn't, I didn't see any, not overt anyway. I remember, and I'm in the deep South. We were in Mississippi and I'm in uniform. My friend is in uniform and we were running an errand for a change of command for two senior officers. And this this sweet, sweet old lady walks up and she's like, you boys look so handsome in your uniform. <laughs> I was younger. I would want you to take me out on a date. And we're just like, <laughs> I mean, she had to have been 70 years old. I think we like 30. Like <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, but, you know, really, and I, I think the uniform helps a lot. Because from what I could tell, there was a lot of people who who weren't used to Hispanics or, or African-Americans and they just don't know you. They, they don't know you, they don't know what you're about, they don't know what your culture is like. And so they could be a little cautious, but if they saw you in uniform, that was like, oh, they're safe, they're safe, we can talk to them. Right,
1: right. So
2: it actually opened up a lot of doors. And, and I, like I said, I really didn't see it, to be completely honest, when I did see some racism and we did see some on the ships it tended to come from minority groups. Caucasians, you know, our European American brethren, they really didn't care. I mean, yeah, there was a few, there was one in my boot camp, but he was removed from, from uh, training and given the boot, he was, he was processed out immediately because he was a overt skinhead. But, you know, most, most people there, they just want to get along. They have a, a job to do and they really don't care. You know, the average American really didn't care or doesn't care. It's I think those pockets of individuals that unfortunately get more attention by the media. And so, yeah, I, I think they were, they were very receptive. And I think too, that my look, I tend to look, and I've, i I got this from a, a classmate at Naval postgraduate. He was a Pakistani Naval officer and he thought I was from Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, uh, was an Indian woman at a hotel who thought I was from India. Uh, <laughs> in a restaurant in Ohio. And the guy, one of the waiters, he comes up to me, he starts speaking in, in Indian. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> he just looks at me and he turns and, and the, the owner of the restaurant was there and she's just laughing. So I I tend to look like something other than Hispanic. I, I can't help it. I, I grow my beard mat and my is that what I, <laughs> yeah, would
1: ask I know I, I think on Facebook you he- you had your beard and you're all clean and shaven now.
2: Yeah, well, I trimmed it up. But yeah, I um grew out this nice, good beard. And my wife is like, cause I'd always ask her, do I look Hispanic? Because we were living in a, a small little community outside of Columbus, Ohio. You know, a lot of farmers everywhere. And so they're like, are you? you know, what are you? And so I asked my wife, like, what do I look like? And when I grew my beard out, she goes, I know what you look like. And I'm like, what? She goes, you look like a West Virginia coal miner. I'm like, like, okay, I just need some coveralls now. Oh my God. So what was
1: the highest rank uh, that you got in the Navy? Are are you still in the Navy or did you end up retiring?
2: I retired. So uh, this is one of my many bad decisions. I I did not accept leadership orders, and that took me out of uh, promotion potential. And so I left as an 04, which, and the Navy is called a lieutenant commander, and everywhere else it's called a major. So probably more people are more familiar with a rank of major. So that's that's what my rank was, because I turned down those orders. It, it you know like I said I wasn't going to be able to promote. You know, God bless the Navy. I. I was actually able to, to convince my admiral at the time to let me go back to graduate school again, because I'm just a sucker for torture. And uh, I signed well, up for
1: a kid who didn't like school at the beginning, you sure did end up doing a whole bunch of it.
2: 13 <laughs> years, Matt, 13 years, half <laughs> high school. So about, gosh, yeah, half of my life, more than half of my life has been in academia. Um, but yeah, I signed up for, for a PhD program had an admiral write a letter recommendation, some other senior officers, some other PhDs, some, some big powerhouses there at uh, Stennis Space Center at some Hassa base. And so I, for my last four years of, of active duty, I was, I didn't do much. I was the military liaison for the Naval Research Laboratory Oceanography Division. And my job was to go to school. <laughs> so I didn't I wasn't the busiest person, you know, uh, work-wise, but I went to school, and eight months after after I retired, I became Doctor. I was going to say Salazar. I became Doctor Salazar, so uh, it was kind of cool, man. I got paid a decent amount of money to (laughs) to go to school.
1: Okay, so controversial topic question: Mm -hmm. Is there climate warming?
2: Yeah, so let's talk about that. I have spoken to a number of scientists, different disciplines, all experts in this, and they all have given me the same reason, and I feel the same way. I can argue both sides, and you literally can. And, and this is what is sad because I think that uh, our political system is actually getting in the way. And so, as humans, anthropogenic, you know, what's the anthropogenic cause, or is are people responsible for global warming. And to a degree, yes. But really, the thing that's really hurting us the most is people operating in the Arctic. And so they, they dump out a lot of what uh, we call black carbon deposition, which is soot, unburned diesel fuel. So you have this black soot landing on white ice. And because of that, it's now absorbing sunlight instead of reflecting it. And that is causing very fast uh, melting of the ice and the ice shelves, and that is going to warm up the ocean very rapidly. So, when we think about people, you know, our cars and, and different factories, and that's, you know, we're releasing carbon dioxide. Is that going to make the planet warmer? Yeah. Is the ocean warming up uh, going to make the planet warmer? Oh, you better believe it. And so, uh, to, not really to scare people, but to scare people, because And it's not just us, it's really Russia that's up there. They need fuel and you have one third of the Earth's undiscovered natural gas and the Earth's, one fifth of the Earth's undiscovered oil in the Arctic and we just can't get to it because it's covered in ice and they know this. I
1: I see a lot of news stories about Russia expanding into the Arctic. I think they just started a military branch just for the Arctic. I don't know what they called it might be called the Arctic Naval or something like that, but mm-hmm. Putin seems to be very aggressive in, in trying to assert more control or at least have more of a say in what's going on up there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so there the Arctic Council, which is comprised of the United States, because we have Alaska that's in the Arctic, uh, Canada, uh, Russia, Finland, and Denmark, believe it or not, has a stake. They have a stake because Greenland is there. You see, Greenland wants their independence because they know that once that ice starts to go away and they get access to oil, they're gonna become a very wealthy country and they no longer need Denmark. But we, as the Arctic, the the five Arctic countries know the dangers. We know that that is the primary cause of atmospheric forcing, so causing it to warm up. And yet we don't really talk much about it and it's because, personal opinion, it's because there are some very wealthy people who who want access to that oil, and and this is where where it's the most asinine thing that we could be doing because right underneath the the ice shelf is uh, what what we call methane clathrate. So it's solid methane gas, and when that ice is gone, that, that methane's under pressure and that's keeping it solid. Once that ice is gone, there's that, that pressure is is no longer there. That methane is going to sublimate it's going to instantly turn into gas and we're going to have a massive amount of methane gas in the atmosphere and that's going to cause a so i i haven't read much on it but from what other professors are saying there it's going to cause global warming like unimaginably bad type of global warming something that we cannot stop and we're going to end up you know causing mass extension
1: well enough about about global warming when you're not thinking about meteorology or oceanography or, or the Navy, what kind of things uh, do you do on your off time? Hobbies, interests, your family life? You
2: mentioned a wife and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I have a son too. I used to grill a lot, that was a big interest. I love to cook. And then I'm just gonna say contrary to what people are saying, you absolutely should trust the Skinny Chef. <laughs> I, I, I really do put a lot of effort into it. Uh, I, I do think that I should have gone to culinary school, but I, I write as well. So right now I work as an analyst and a um, systems and an engineer and part-time scientist, mostly a systems analyst part, but I'm working on trying to get published so I can have more time with the family, uh, have more freedom to do the things I really want to do with them and just you know spend time hanging out with them, watching shows of my daughter. My daughter and I love sci-fi shows like Star Trek. We got into the Umbrella Academy. Just fantastic show.
1: Okay, tell us ages. Boy and a girl. How old's your boy? How old's your girl?
2: Okay, so we'll start with my son. He's my adopted son, and he is now 34. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he doesn't see very well, so he can't really do much. He definitely shouldn't be driving. Uh, so but he spends a lot of time with my wife, just helping around the house, and helping her right. you know things that she does. And my my daughter is now 23. She just turned 23 in August.
1: Congratulations. So,
2: Thank you much. I mean, she just <laughs> skipping ahead. She, I want to say that she's nothing like me. Uh, and she's really smart, takes after my wife in that respect. As far as me, she definitely gets a little bit of my attitude. <laughs> <laughs> she can be a little irascible at times, but you know, uh, we, just, we just, we love her to death, though. She is so teeny, uh, Matt. She's four foot nine and a half. Wow. She's very tiny. And so she's
1: very spirited, possible, sounds like. Very.
2: Uh, we've always said that she should have been a lawyer, but she, she's a writer. She's a writer, an artist, fan, You know, just fantastic artist. It, it's amazing what she's done. I remember I saw a, a picture she had painted of a, a Robin and then later of a Blue Jay. And I'm like, where did you get these? And you know, I was asking my mom, where'd you get them? And she's like, your daughter. I'm like, what? I, I, I really thought they were Audubon paintings because my wife showed me a photograph of them. I was on, a, on the aircraft carrier at the time. And I thought they were Audubon pictures, like, you know, something that someone painted for the Audubon Zoo in, in New Orleans. Sorry, New Orleans, have to say it correctly. <laughs> for my, my New Orleans uh, friends. Um, so yeah, no, just, you know, amazing, amazing. Does she work.
1: have a website or or a Tumblr page or
2: something? No, like no, she doesn't want to share right now. She's, you know, a, just a little worried that people are going to be too critical of what she paints and what she writes. So I'm, I'm working on that. And, because I tell her dad wants to retire. <laughs> I, I really no, I want to retire. <laughs> yeah. I, so I work for MIT as an analyst and scientist, and it is hard work. And I, I want to be done. I'm, I really want to be done. I want to go home. Uh, I think there's only so long that a person should be working for. And I don't want to be the guy that, you know, retire at 70. And then a week later, you know, we're at my funeral. I don't, I don't want that, you know.
1: So are you working away from your wife? Your wife's back in, where, where is your wife?
2: She's outside Columbus, Ohio, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: you're, so you're, yeah, so you're not anywhere near her.
2: No, uh, we're 12 hours apart, like 600, 650 miles. And so I, I, I do feel fortunate, even though it's kind of a nuisance. My, her stepbrother lives there Sunday night through... Thursday night, but he is a behemoth of a man. He's, he's a, a Southern Ohio corn fed man. And so <laughs> uh, I'm glad he's there because people look at him and you're not gonna, you're like, we'll it's go to the other <laughs> house.
1: Yeah, we're, we're
2: gonna go next door, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, how, how'd you meet your wife? So her dad used to move people. I mean, he, was, he, did, he moved professionally for a few years and he was fairly young, but throughout his life he would just move people across country. He just loved it, he enjoyed it. And he was moving one of their family friends to San Antonio, uh, Vivian, and who I my family happens to know. So it was a family, mutual family friend and just happened to run into her. And I just knew in that moment, like, I'm gonna marry her. And I told her, I'm gonna marry you. And she's like, "Yep, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get married. So We've been she married.
1: wasn't intimidated by the intensity of Max Salazar.
2: Yeah, I think sometimes she regrets it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not an easy person to live with, but I will say this. I, I've never laid a hand on my wife. I've never called her name. She can't frustrate me. So I remember I, I was maybe 21 years old and I had a friend, he was an Aikido instructor and he was a classmate at Tami Yu. So he was an older guy. He was like 50, I think maybe 55 at the time. Uh-huh. And he said, look, I know you, I've been training you for a while now. You need to marry a woman who's not very strong. Do not marry a strong woman because they're gonna walk all over you. And what do I go do? I, I find the strongest woman I can find and I marry her. <laughs> uh, yeah, we kind of, we're, we're actually a really good balance. So I love her to death. And as a matter of fact, because our birthdays are only two days apart, She's sending me packages left and right, so I'm getting all these packages from Amazon, and I'm like, all my birthday gifts are showing up. <laughs> yeah, your birthday's coming up, right? Yeah.
1: I yeah. think. Are we born on the same day or right around the same day? I'm a, I'm born October 18th.
2: Yeah. No, and I'm two days later. I'm on the 20th. That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah.
2: I remember. I remember because you were the, when you were interviewed. I remember you were. You guys were talking about your age and you were one of the youngest guys. I'm like, I got two days on man, I'm two
1: younger. <laughs> Wait, but so you were born in, you were October baby, born in 1974
2: too? Yes. Okay,
1: and all right. Gosh, I didn't know that. It seemed like I was always the youngest kid. So we both must have had very um, <clears throat> intense parents who got us in early because technically we shouldn't have been, we should have started school.
2: Right, and so I
1: actually... Or maybe we were so damn annoying that our parents wanted to get rid of us. <laughs> oh, sure.
2: But I, I actually started kindergarten, and I was a visitor. And so I had to repeat kindergarten. And some of the kids I went to kindergarten with the first time will go around and make fun of me. He's like, this is the only kid I know who's ever flunked kindergarten. <laughs> and uh, like, no. But one of, our, one of our classmates, I don't know if he finished graduating from Nixon but I, I believe he started. It's David Salazar. And we started the second grade together. We were best friends uh, since the second time we went to kindergarten. And we went to, we were in second grade at the very end of the first week of school. Our teacher pulled us apart, or, or set, uh, pulled us uh, aside from the rest of the class. And she gave us a test. And so we both got a perfect score. And the following week, we were officially in the third grade. So that's how I ended up in class of 92 and not 93. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, so, and God bless her soul, uh, GC, She oh, yeah. I think it was sixth or seventh grade. So I always thought that was kind of cool, but at the t- same time, I was kind of sad because she ended up being class of 91. And I'm like, no.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so any plans for the next 10 years? Twenty years.
2: Ah, uh, you know, I really want to get my writing career going. Uh, I joined a group. What kind
1: to- of writing? Technical,
2: scientific writing, or no, no. So I, I did publish twice technical. Uh, one of them, the one I was the primary author that had to do with the the RMS Titanic. And I can tell you, believe me, trust me. And Bob Ballard, the guy who discovered the Titanic, the second the, the rediscovered it, he agrees. The Titanic is not turning into a big rust spot. It's not happening. But no, I want to, I want, I love fiction. So I, I, on my spare time, I write science fiction and currently working on, actually started it some months ago. I want to say like in February, a collection of short stories based off of actual uh, events that took place in a ranch outside of Laredo. And so one of them, the one I'm, I'm getting ready to submit in a couple of weeks it, it's about a guy who he's a ranch hand and he was he was from Mexico, uh, he was there. He's an undocumented uh, immigrant and he's working as a ranch hand there with his wife at that ranch where I used to go hang out. And he went off to go do something. And when he got back to this tiny little shack, didn't even have a restroom. His wife was having an affair with his boss, and so he was so distraught that he went and he went took his life. And so that's what this story is. It's it's, it's Pretty, very, very much embellished. Uh, But there's other stories that I'm working on. Some of them are true, you know, somewhat true. And I just, you know, got to make it, you know, a bit more fun. Uh, So hopefully, you know, they'll be received well. one of the authors that's participating in the group, he's a a fairly famous Latino writer. His name is uh, Carlos Carlos Flores. And his son, as a matter of fact, was J.W. Nixon class in '93 hopefully he likes it and he's already giving me some good advice and i really want to do that matt i've been wanting to do this for over 20 years wow that
1: would be great it would be nice to be to have another published author in the in our class because I, I i think if i remember i think roger rodriguez i think he just published a book
2: Oh, uh, like the seventh one. <laughs> oh
1: yeah yeah i know yeah I'm, yeah. I'm so bad at following up with people. you know, you get so self, or I tend to get so self-absorbed you know, in my own little bubble that, that I forget that that there's a whole other world out there. Yeah. Um, well, um, what uh, any old people things that that you find yourself starting to do already?
2: Oh man. Yeah, unfortunately, so um, three years ago, you know, under the stress of, of work and school, and I had to go find a job because I was getting ready to retire. But at the same time, I was doing CrossFit, and I was wrapping up, getting close to three years of doing CrossFit in a very humid environment. So I was in the southern part of uh, Louisiana, and uh, something called anxiety came crashing in. And as a result, you know, it's very difficult for me to go exercise and walk, walk walking's a challenge. But as a result, yeah, i got high blood pressure now. It's, it's not, <laughs> bad. it really isn't that bad, but I took the focus on it. I'm on a heart healthy diet that is low in sodium, but I'm not on a low sodium diet. I don't understand the difference, but it, it, I'm doing the old person thing where I look at, I read every label and I look for sodium amounts and it, it's amazing that we're still alive as a race because everything you buy is like one serving it's already like yeah that's your daily consumption for sodium that's one meal and so uh yeah very conscious about salt
1: all right so we're we uh we're getting towards the end here and i would ask you a couple of quick questions uh and then maybe get some final thoughts any shout outs you want to give out to folks
2: yeah uh First off, I I, I do want to say my my friends, you, you, Matt, and Luis, and Fernando, and uh, Jaime Tapia, Roger Rodriguez, uh, who he and I just reconnected about a year ago. Uh, But one last friend, and she is somebody who I always thought was one of the most amazing people, just brilliantly gifted and intelligent and full of life. Um, That's Barbara Ziegler. A very good friend of mine for a few years and you know we fell out of touch and haven't heard from her since i think
1: 1994
2: 95 something oh, wow. but yeah just an amazing person and so shout out to barbara
1: uh anybody that definitely needs to do this interview that that you want to hear about and know what they've been up to
2: yeah so i want to say leonard sees um the reason is I actually got laid off from my job because I I turned down a position in in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I got laid off shortly after. And Leonard was, you know, he kind of saw that I wasn't on Facebook, that I had signed off and he just, he sent me a a message, just wanting to make sure that I was okay. And said, yeah, I'm just kind of going through a rough patch. You know, I, I think there's some racism going on in Ohio because I'm too qualified. I'm underqualified for everything other than janitorial work. And so I sent him my resume, and he was, you know, was helping me out a little bit until I actually got uh, somebody from a company, reached out and said, hey, would you want to work over here in MIT? And I was like, yeah. But yeah, so Lindsay's I, uh, I love science, I love math, and he's somebody I absolutely want to hear about.
1: Yeah, we definitely need to get Missy to reach out to him. I think he'd be really uh, an interesting interview. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you're making a mixtape. Mix Playlist of five to 10 songs for the class of 92. Go. Uh,
2: God, here we go. Um, I want to be sedated by the Ramones. uh, Girlfriend in a coma by the Smiths. Peaches, Presidents Presidents of the United States. Yellow, Leadbetter, Pearl Jam. Someone to Love by Queen. And Guilty Pleasure here, Mbop by Hanson. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually really good. (laughs) Uh, Last TV show you binge. Person of interest, and I highly recommend. Wink, wink, everybody needs to watch it.
1: Favorite movie from the 90s?
2: Demolition Man.
1: Favorite beverage? Craft beer and sangria. Pineapple on pizza?
2: 100% yes, absolutely, (laughs) but not from a can. Got to be fresh.
1: Last lightning round question. What tape, CD, or LP do you still have from high school? that you have played the most?
2: I really have to think about this one because I don't really listen to them anymore, but I have to go with Metallica and the album I think is one. Nice,
1: nice. So um, in kind of finishing up the interview here, any advice for the class of 2022?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna reiterate what I said earlier. Don't be afraid about leaving Laredo or Southwest Texas. You have to go out there don't be afraid of, of people that, that they might be racist. Uh, you need to go out there. If you wanna change the world and you don't like the fact that maybe there's racism, you have to go out there and, and meet it face-to-face. So don't be afraid, you know, attack the world. It's, it's a wonderful place. I've seen Europe, I've been all over the country. There's so much to do, so many different cultures. Go out there and explore.
1: Well, thanks, Max. It was good reconnecting with you. I'd like that. Uh, and um, I think Missy will be here soon, To Here. There
2: you are. Hi, Missy. I, uh, I I haven't heard you know, what you've been up to. I've seen you a little bit on Facebook.
1: She's working the streets of Lubbock.
0: Thank you for listening to the JW Nixon High School Class of 1992 podcast. I hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. And remember a class of 1982 Mustangs party responsibly.